Hello and welcome to another micro episode of the Substandard, sponsored by Dollar Shave Club. I'm Victor Mattis, along with Jonathan V. Last and Sonny Bunch. Just a quick reminder that full episodes of the Substandard are available every Thursday at 11 a.m. and Substandard show notes are posted by Jonathan Last every Friday at weeklystandard.com. So we just celebrated Memorial Day, remembering those who sacrificed their lives for this country, for democracy, for freedom. Uh, So why don't we talk about our favorite war movies? Because channels like AMC, they'll do a whole day of broadcasting war movies. And I'm like, oh, great. I I look look forward to seeing things like A Bridge Too Far and then The Longest Day and then suddenly Casualties of War. (laughs) Yeah, that's that's an interesting. Yeah, that makes me feel good about my country. Um, So that's why I thought we could talk about the movies that we like as opposed to the ones we don't. Uh, Sonny, do you want to go first? Sure. Uh, You know, I am a big fan of some of the war movies that aren't, you know, kind of necessarily thought of as war movies. Uh, So, you know, obviously I love Patton, and we've discussed this before on the show. Uh, uh, and I, I'm a, I'm a huge fan of Black Hawk Down as we've discussed on the show. Um, but if we're, if we're, if we're getting, uh, I'm, I want to go a little off the beaten path and suggest a few, uh, war movies that aren't necessarily always in the mix. For instance, I would say Inglorious Bastards is one of my favorite, uh, war movies. This is obviously a war movie. It's obviously in World War II, but nobody really thinks of it as kind of your traditional Saving Private Ryan you know, big combat scenes uh, uh, type movies. It is a Quentin Tarantino film, so it's very talky. But it is also it, punctuated by moments of extreme violence, which, uh, to my understanding, at least, is what war is actually kind of like. I wouldn't know because I have soft, girlish <laughs> hands. I've never served in the military. Uh, but, uh, but you know, it, it is one of these movies where you have a lot of kind of waiting, waiting, and then... Yeah. Right. Uh, it's also kind of an alternative history. What do you call it? Yeah, uh, counterfactual mm-hmm. history. Yeah, yeah counterfactual, maybe. yes. Uh, if you, you know, what yeah. if what if a mm-hmm. group of Jewish uh, American soldiers blew up the Nazi high command in a theater? I can get behind that sort of counterfactual history. Uh, JBL, you? It's counterfactual history, but also just sort of wish fulfillment. Alternative yes. timeline. Sure. Sure. I don't know what sure. you... It's not really a counterfactual right. because it's not like what if... You know, Gettysburg right. it's not, had gone. It's just revenge it's fantasy just, yeah, in the yeah. same way. It's just Django right. Unchained for the Holocaust, right. which is awesome. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. But I, it's I don't also not unconditional it. surrender because you know. Um, I mean, to be fair yeah. though, shouldn't Django? It, Django Unchained was really inglorious, ba- or yeah, just inglor- inglorious bastards, but for slavery. Yes, because inglorious bastards came first. Same. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, point is, uh, I'm I'm a big fan. Um, uh, uh, in this vein. Uh, over the weekend, I saw some people discussing how Aliens is actually one of the great Vietnam War movies. And this actually strikes me as perfectly right. It's about a bunch of grunts in a terrible uh, jungle-like setting filled with heat and humidity and smoke and you know uh, an awful, yeah. uh, unkillable, unstoppable uh, monster that they're going up against. Uh, so and the, ultimate, I, the, only, the only solution was to nuke them? Yeah, <laughs> got to nuke them from orbit. <laughs> It's dehumanizing. <laughs> and it's they, othering. Well, it, it was 1986 again, the great, the great one of the great years of film uh, filmmaking, and it came out at the same time as Platoon. No so, kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Which is interesting. Yeah. JVL, my favorite war movie of all time is actually Dunkirk. Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I'm just preemptively telling yeah, you okay, that it's going that to be sense. my favorite that, movie of all time. I you may be that. right. Uh, no, so I when I you know I don't love war movies as a genre, and my my favorite ones tend not to be the big splody or big 
pattern and type. So, like t- Cold War movies. I really like Cold War movies, even mm-hmm. though there's not a lot of shooting. Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, which is neither a war movie nor a movie. It's a BBC miniseries starring Alec Guinness. Good. I was I was, I was well, afraid you were going to say the movie version, which I didn't understand at all. Ma- well, no, oh, there's the, no way to understand yeah. the movie because they're condensing too yeah. much stuff. And the truth is, the BBC production is so uncompromising that it throws you into the deep end. I did not understand anything that was happening for the first two episodes of it. And it was only by sticking through until like the Mm -hmm. third or fourth hour that everything starts coming together. They make you work for it. It really makes you work for it, but it's entirely rewarding and it's beautiful and slow and you you should see that. Uh, I really. That's not really a like, war movie. That's a spy movie. It's a, but it's a Cold War movie. That's not it's, a, a Cold War. That's okay. okay Bridge on sure. the River Kwai. Another Alec Guinness. It's fantastic. That is a great movie. Uh, Mash. The Robert Altman Mash. Uh, I like quite a lot. Starship Troopers. It's a war movie. Yeah, uh, sure. And Full Metal Jacket, which is weird. I think the first half of Full Metal Jacket is maybe the greatest war movie ever made, despite the fact that it's not. War, it's just the tra- basic. The first uh, half is riveting, and the second half loses. For me, loses a tremendous amount of steam. And me too. But, uh, what, you didn't you and I watch that together? No, we watched Saving Private Ryan together. In well, the yes, theater. I mean, I mean, in a home video, I feel like we, oh, we were over. Yes, at, we did watch a lot of movies in our apartment together. Okay, um, but I and not we weren't sure. even roommates. Uh, <laughs> did you guys I have mean, like I, a love nest? Like, like sleepovers. Sometimes I don't want to drive at you night. Do each other hair. I, I just, you know, it's yeah. too dangerous to drive at night. I could have to stay over. No, but you're, you're actually, I watched it, I believe, at your behest. Is that you right? Were, you, were, you were such an evangelist. For, oh, again, I, because yeah, I don't really love yeah, war movies, yeah, my yeah, war yeah, movie right. viewing mm-hmm, by the time mm-hmm, I got to age mm-hmm, 22 mm-hmm, was a, a blind category for me. Well, uh, you know, we were talking about movies that we don't like. Um, and movies that I do like, uh, you know, Midway is actually a really good movie from 1976. It's Charlton Heston, Henry Fonda, Hal Holbrook's in it. A whole bunch of people are in it. And it's great because it's, you know, obviously pre-CGI. So all the footage is, you know, actual aircraft, aircraft carriers. And they actually do good by also the Japanese Navy and, on the, and, and Yamamoto and, and that whole supply. I mean, it's really fascinating stuff. And, and they're searching for each other. And this is game of, you know, cat and mouse. And I really like that. But we were talking about also movies that I didn't like and obviously Casualties of War. I'm not a fan of, which is basically is Sean Penn. Sean Penn and Michael J. Fox yes! and John C. Riley, and it's just a long rape movie. It's, it's you know? the homeless just, man's uh, platoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. But you know, just because a movie is anti-war doesn't necessarily mean that I'm not going to like it. Because as you were mentioning, JVL Full Metal Jacket um, in that first half. Um, is riveting. It, it's amazing film work. It really is. And if you look at just the way, you know, just, just, just the camera itself going around and following Arlie Ermey. Uh, speaking of which, uh, you were there, JVL, when Arlie Ermey came to the Weekly Standard office. It was one of the greatest editorial lunches we've ever had. It was, and it was your behest, right? You, set yeah, this they up. contacted me, and is because Arlie Ermey was doing charitable work for the troops. Uh, and helping people, you know, uh, who are left at home, whether it be husbands or wives with kids and they need help. And so he wanted to talk about it. I'm like, yes, absolutely. Please come over. So I went downstairs uh, and waited outside and a car came and dropped him off. And I was really excited. And I think I said, oh, hi, Sergeant. You know, uh, it was great to meet you. And he said, call me Gunny because, you know, they're not just sergeants they're gunnery sergeants so i said okay gunny and he gave me a coin like a like yeah. a Marine his challenge coin. coin yes wow i don't know where that is 
Anyway, he. Uh, what? I, I don't know where it is. I don't know where. I, I don't. You know, know where what happens? It is. It Somebody might be else plunks down that coin. You don't have yours. Know, it means you got to buy. I'm, I'm, yes. Drinks for yes, everybody. I'm shamed. Uh, but he came up, and so we started chatting immediately before we got to the office. And I said, "Oh, I'm a big fan of yours and your movies and things like that." And he had, of course, served in Vietnam. And after Vietnam, he just stayed in the Philippines. And he actually took acting classes in the Philippines. And then he met his wife, who's Filipina, and they have a son. And so that's his family. And so he's like, oh, I love the Filipino people and this whole thing. And he was wonderful about it. He comes into the office, and we're all there in that conference room. He tells us about this, uh, uh, the charitable work that he does for the troops. And I remember him saying, you know, there's different ways you can help the soldiers, you know, because, um, you know, you can fix roofs and plumbing and electrical work and you look around this office of you know editors and <laughs> I writers got, i got a bunch of people with soft hands who, uh, <laughs> yeah, who they're all looking down how, nobody can uh, even you know, look at them in the eye how does a wrench work yes no that's exactly right sonny and so then there was a pause and he goes or you can uh you know donate you know financially and everyone goes oh okay okay <sighs> great great but then finally i said uh so uh gunny uh can you we talk about full metal jacket and how you got that role, because there's always all sorts of rumors about how this happened. And he was like, sure. And he said he was a technical advisor uh, for the film. And the guy who was doing it, and uh, to uh, Arlie Ermey's credit, uh, he wouldn't tell us who the actor was. And I think he could find out online who it was. But he said that he just wasn't doing it, and Kubrick had him through several takes. And um, Arlie Ermey was there, the technical advisor, so he's constantly trying to tell him how to say the lines. And then Ermey just had the idea of, you know what, I can do this myself. And he started auditioning with other members of the film crew, but not Kubrick. And so he'd go to the assistant directors and cinematographer, whoever else, and finally word traveled up the chain, and Kubrick finally called him, and he goes, okay, I've heard you've been doing auditions. What do you got? And Ermey does it, and immediately he was like, mm. okay, sold. Yeah. That's amazing. Can I, can I share my early Ermey story, which JBL. is not mine. No, it's no, a no, story JBL, of a friend. Please. So <clears throat> there was a girl who went to college with my wife, uh, and I, I'm not going to give you her name, but she's uh, born with severe physical disabilities, and like really severe physical disabilities, and she is an amazing woman. She just is one of these people who just is like, yeah, screw it, whatever, and just has taken the world by storm. And she ran the Marine Corps Marathon several years back. And I remember we had seen her like the month before she was going to go. And she had stopped like playing in a kickball league that she was playing in because she didn't mm-hmm. want to hurt herself before the. Anyway, so she gets to about mile 22 and she is dying. And she hears from behind her a voice oh. start to curse at her and say, Come on, maggot! What's wrong with you? And it's Arlie Army, and he ran with her for two miles and did the full like no prisoners. We you know like no like oh come on little yeah. girl with your yeah. problems yeah. you can do it, but just full on gunny. And I bet it fired her up. And she said it fired her up so completely, and it was she said it was like having a, like this little angel in the form of this giant man. It's so awesome. It's you know, he. Um, we asked him about those lines that he gave. Remember, like, where did he come up? And he said that he picked up a lot from other drill sergeants at Camp Pendleton, I think. And so he stole a bunch of it. Not stole, but borrowed. And then, uh, but then remember this, uh, Jay Velta meeting, then he said about that line about the courtesy of a reach around. <laughs> and he goes, uh, I don't know where that one came from. <laughs> but you know what? Uh, I'm sure Stanley Kubrick was like, eh, this is fine. <laughs> 